Tobacco Master Pen. The following program is sponsored by Reaching Hearts Ministries. This is Reaching Your Heart. Welcome back. Pastor Michael Oxentenko is nearing the end of the Genesis series. We are up to part number 22. It's entitled The Test, and we hope that you enjoy it. You can always listen to all of these messages again at reachingyourheart.com. You'll find them under the broadcast schedule there on the main page. While I have your ear, I wanted to remind you that there's lots of material available there for you at reachingyourheart.com to help you learn and grow. Many, many messages and many, many series messages that I know that you'll enjoy. Again, spend some time at reachingyourheart.com. Our phone number here is 877-788-5371, 877-788-5371. Feel free to call that telephone number at any time with any questions that you have. Let's get underway with part number 22 of the Genesis series entitled The Test. And here now is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentenko, with today's Reaching Your Heart. Father, as we open up the Bible, we do so knowing we can't even understand the holy pages of Scripture based on reason alone. We can't even come to you unless we come to you in the utter need that we have to be illumined by your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that you give us eyes to see. You'd help us to see what happened in the past, to connect the dots, and to be where you want us in the future. In Jesus' name, amen. An unknown philosopher once described faith in this way. He said, Faith is to believe in things that we do not see, and the reward of this faith is to see in what we believe. Faith is its own kind of sight when the eye of reason cannot see. When the mind's eye is dim and the rational is reduced to blindness, faith has a way of seeing through the fog. When the darkness settles in, the light of the candle is snuffed out by the cold of circumstances Faith has a way of starting the fire again to light the path in a warmer direction. When the heart is paralyzed with fear and the waves of worry sweep over you, faith is a kind of bridge that holds you high above the flood so you can make it safe to the other side. The Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God since we must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. Speaking of Abraham, the Bible declared without apology, and he believed the Lord... And it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Dear heart, when your life is all wrong, when you stand upon the ashes of your best efforts, when your dreams have fallen and broken and you do not know how to put the pieces back together, when you are looking for hope on a road which is dark for you and you cannot see the hope at the end of the road, God is looking for one thing in the life that has failed, one thing in the life that cannot find the way. He is looking for a light in the darkness, faith that shines in the mind and heart when it cannot see the evidence for faith. For every child of God who journeys from east to west, following God, a God they cannot see, following like our father Abraham, sooner or later their faith must be tested. In fact, it is a spiritual principle. It must be tested in the night. Genesis 22.1, the Bible says, After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. 
The Bible says, after these things, God tested Abraham. That means these things here. It means everything that had come before. It means every single event in the life of Abraham was a backdrop, was a foretaste, so to speak, of what would come in the test of Abraham. The focus of his life was a single event, and yet all that came before it was the antecedent. It was that which was necessary to prepare the way. All the stories of Abraham's life were a backdrop that led to the test. God called him from Ur of the Chaldees and he left following God, a God he could not see but only hear. He followed the God he could hear. God told him that he would bless all the peoples of the earth in him if he would leave and go. And so he went and he followed God's word not knowing where he was going. He came to Bethel and called on the name of the Lord. But sooner or later... He drifted away from God in the midst of a famine and found himself surfacing in a materialistic land called Egypt. He lied to save his life. He faltered when he put his wife in danger to protect his own life. Egypt was a low spot in his relationship with God, real low. He felt low. He had failed God. But you know, God has a way of working with lives that have let him down. God brought him back to Bethel where he called on the name of the Lord again. God renewed him at Bethel. And in time, the timid sojourner who trembled before the likes of Pharaoh marshaled the courage to defeat four kings of Babylon to save his nephew Lot. Humble to the core of his heart, he refused to take the treasure of conquest to himself. He gave it back. God appeared to Abraham after the battle and assured him that he would have a future and that his children would be like the stars of the heavens. In time, he met God at the door of his tent and heard the promise from his own mouth. Yes, the promise that he had hoped for all his life, the promise that had driven him into the dark. He said, you will have a son in your old age. He said, is anything too hard for the Lord? And the next spring, the promise came true, and Isaac was born to Sarah at the age of 90. Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. Isaac in Hebrew means laughter because God is able to take two old hearts and make them young again. He is able to take the tears of age and turn it into the spring of youth and bring laughter again into the life. With God, the spring can come in the winter of any life. And the breast that never gave life became fruitful in the cold season of death because God is eternal spring for the person who has faith and believes. After the birth of Isaac, Abraham dug a well at Beersheba and planted a tamarisk tree beside the well. The well was a symbol of life. You see, he found God by digging deep. And I don't believe that we can find God by being shallow. He dug deep and he found a well of living water. He had discovered in his journey of faith that God is a living well, that the heart must dig deep to find. And he planted a tamarisk tree beside the well. The tamarisk trees of the Mediterranean have deep roots and they are uniquely designed to survive in bad soil that has a high salinity. The tamarisk trees release salt through its leaves. It also increases the salinity of the ground around it. These kind of trees use a great deal of water and they displace vegetation around them. Things can't grow around these trees. They have a beautiful pink flower and so they bring a flower and a beauty to the barren desert land. A tamarisk tree is a symbol of permanence in the midst of a difficult environment. And there he called on the name of the Lord. Abraham learned that when everything else is uncertain in life, when it's hard to dig down, when the environment is against you, he learned that one thing is permanent. It is the Lord. He called on the name of the Lord. Look at Genesis 21, verse 33. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba, And called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. 
And Abraham sojourned many days in the land of the Philistines. Abraham settled down in a foreign land with a child of promise at his side. Abraham slept peacefully at night in his tent on foreign ground. In the trials of his life, he had learned that the only permanent thing that you can trust is the Lord, the everlasting God, the personal God, Yahweh, the Lord. You see it there, all capital letters that was revealed to him by his experience, even though he didn't know what the name meant. He called on his name, had now become the everlasting God for him. That meant that he came to a point in his relationship with God when he was no longer putting God to the test. He came to a point in his relationship with God when his roots were so deep that his personal friendship with God became permanent. He was sealed. He was ready for what occurs in the very next verse. He was ready for the great test of his life. Dear heart, the troubles you go through when you first become a believer are not tests from God. The troubles you go through as a believer when you first accept Christ are growing pains so you can meet the test that comes late in life. And if you will not put up with the growing pains, you'll never come to the test. You'll never come to the place when you dig deep and you find a relationship with God that lasts a lifetime, that becomes a permanent relationship that will never be removed. You see, the beauty of this thing is this. God does not bring the test to Abraham before he has been sealed into a permanent relationship. Now, Abraham doesn't know this, but God knows it. Genesis 22, verse 1, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I. He said, take your son, your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering upon one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Awakened in the night by the sound of his name, he hears the voice of God again. Over the years, God had become for him a friend. The voice of the night was the voice of his friend. In Second Chronicles 27, the Bible called Abraham the friend of God. And now the friend of God is awakened by the unfriendly voice of his friend in the night. It is the test of the night. Abraham, it is the language of command, take your son. The Hebrew has a particle of entreaty added to the word take. It means take him now. Take him right now. Do not delay, go. No time to think, Abraham. No time to reason. Obey and take him now. Verse 2 says, take your only son whom you love. Now, for the careful reader, that doesn't make much sense. We know Abraham had two sons. There was Ishmael and Isaac. Yet God calls Isaac his only son. Now, every father knows what that means. I have two sons. I have John, Michael, and Donald in my family. But I'll tell you, as far as I'm concerned, John, Michael is my only son And Donald is my only son. Every son that a father has is as one to his heart, cannot be replaced by another. A father with four sons has four only sons. If you ask a father who loves his sons, take your only son. The Hebrew word yakid, translated only, comes from a verb that means to unite or to join. The Greek Old Testament translates the word only as beloved. Isaac was special because God had bound him to Abraham by a tie that was special. God is saying, take the son that is part of you. Take the son that belongs to your heart. Take the son that is wrapped around your hopes and dreams. Take the son that is joined to you in substance and go. Take your son, your beloved son. Offer him as a burnt offering. The test in the night. The voice of God came to Abraham in the night and it was not a friendly voice this time. 
The command was clear and direct. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him as a burnt offering on the mountain that I will show you. Moriah in Hebrew comes from the verb to see. In fact, the Latin Vulgate calls the land of Moriah the land of the vision. God said, I will show you the place where the promised son will die. Moriah, the place of the vision. Mount Moriah is the place where God would later command Solomon to build a temple for the permanent place of sacrifice. 2 Chronicles 3.1 Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to David, his father, at the place that David had appointed on the threshing floor of Arnan the Jebusite. Very clear here. This would later become the place where the temple was built. It would later become the place that institutionalized sacrifice. It would later become the place where every lamb that was killed pointed forward to a future lamb that would end the whole system. This was a prophetic place, a prophetic insight, a prophetic vision, and it occurs early in the history of the Bible so that the entire drama of salvation will lead to this spot, this mountain, the place of the vision. Blasé Pascal once wrote, It is the heart which perceives God and not the reason. That is what faith is. God perceived by the heart and not by the reason. Abraham had plenty of reasons not to obey God. Thou shalt not kill is one of them. Abraham knew that God is a God of justice and that you can reason with God in matters of right and wrong. In fact, God himself had encouraged him to do so. God called him to reason out the fate of Sodom and Gomorrah As he left the tent to deal the deadly blow upon that evil city, he brought Abraham into the investigative judgment that sealed the doom of Sodom and Gomorrah. He walked with God, Abraham did, on the way to Sodom and pleaded with God to spare the city. He interceded for it. And he challenged God. He said, Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is right? And God, for the sake of the ten, said, I will not destroy the city. But unfortunately, there were not ten people in the city that were righteous. The same God comes to Abraham in the night, and this time there is no time to reason with him. He says, obey right now. The deepest faith, dear heart, is not the faith that asks questions, even though it's okay to ask questions at times. The deepest faith is the faith that obeys when there are no answers. The test comes when faith cannot find a reason for what God has commanded. The test reveals a faith that obeys when faith itself is on trial. And faith is the only sight in the night for the soul that cannot see. That is what is at stake here. Genesis 22, verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him and his young son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and rose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Every step toward the place is an eternal step in the heart of the Father as he nears the mountain of sacrifice. Every step is dreaded. Every step is hell for him. Every step is a step of fatigue as the weary father leads his son with a slaughter knife gripped firmly in his hand. Thoughts were racing through Abraham's mind. God had promised that this would be the son. Yes, this is the son that will be your heir. In him you will become a mighty nation. God had promised him this. And now God was saying, kill your only son. How can a dead son be your heir? How can God's word be true this way? How can God even ask such a thing of me, having given me such a great gift as this? Yet, dear heart, God can ask anything of you because he is God and you are not God. No reason for this. No logic to define its sensibility. 
No doubt he thought that he had trusted a God who cannot lie, and yet here he could not figure out how God could keep his word. It was in this struggle that he reasoned that if God would take his son and God would keep his word, then God would give him his son back. He would resurrect him from the dead. Genesis 22, verse 6, And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. We will go to that mountain. I will do what God has asked me to do, and we will return. Hebrews eleven seventeen tells us, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was ready to offer up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your descendants be named. He considered that God was able to raise men even from the dead. Hence, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Genesis 22, 6. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, and he laid it on Isaac his son. He took in his hand the fire and the knife, so they went both of them together. The heavy wood on the back of the son all the way up the mountain. The father laid the wood on the back of the son. Don't think the father is not involved in the journey up that mountain. The father is involved in that journey. The father carried the knife and the fire beside his son. The father led the way. The father was there. He had put all the elements together. And so as they went, he was leading the way. Moses is trying to say that there was no disagreement between the father and the son in the journey up the mountain. The father didn't make the son go up the mountain. The son chose to go obviously, but the Father's plan, the Father's design was in play here. Up to this point in time, the Son has asked no questions from His Father. He has obeyed without inquiry, and as He nears the place of sacrifice, He senses that something is terribly wrong. Something doesn't add up here. There is a strange sadness in His Father's eyes. His step is slower than usual. Even though He is carrying the wood, His Father is carrying a heavier load than He, and He knows it because He senses the feelings of His Father. Verse 7, And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Father, where is the lamb? Verse 8, And Abraham said, God will provide himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. My son, the lamb. The Hebrew says God will see for himself that there is a lamb. The lamb comes from God, Isaac. Perhaps God is the lamb. No doubt Isaac was the miracle child. Perhaps he reasoned, Father Abraham, that God was in this child. Maybe this was the child that was promised to Eve in the Garden of Eden that would crush the head of the serpent. God will provide himself the lamb child. Again, the Bible says, so they went both of them together. This time Isaac chooses to go the rest of the way, knowing what it means. Up to this point, he has followed his father with an incomplete understanding. He has had to mature, he has had to be led. But at this point, he decides... He starts the journey a child. At this point, he continues the journey a man. Isaac was not dumb. When he looked into his father's eyes, he knew that he was the lamb. He journeys with his father to the place of sacrifice. This is the second time the Bible says, so they went, both of them, together. The first journey is the journey of a child following his father. The second is the journey of of two men, father and son, heading toward that holy hill. Verse 9, When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built an altar there 
and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Up to this point in time, they were together. On the altar, a break must occur. The altar is the place of goodbyes. The altar is where they embrace and they say goodbye if in the plan of God never to meet again. That is the price of faith in God. When the deed is done, they will no longer be together. Abraham had built altars all his life. Wherever he camped, he left an altar for others to see. Wherever there was an idol in the land, he built an altar to defy it. And now he builds the altar that is the hardest one of all. Each stone is heavy in his hand as he puts it in place for the deed to be done. He sets the wood on the altar with his own hand. He binds his beloved son to the wood with a trembling grasp. He lays him on the altar with his tears falling on the wood, but not the wood only, falling on his only son. The father is not passive in the sacrifice of his son, dear heart. Let no one tell you the father was passive in the sacrifice of his son. The father gives his son to the altar. The altar is not an accident on the road to Moriah. The altar is a plan followed by action. It is the destination. It is the reason for the journey. And the father lays his son on the altar himself. The father suffers more than the son. Verse 10, Then Abraham put forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. No matter how you look at that mountain, it is the place where the father ends the life of his son. The knife is trembling in the hand of the father, but the father holds it tight. Trembling, tears flowing down his face, but intent with raw intent to do the will of God, no matter what the cost. Thoughts racing through his mind like arrows in a heart. Arrows in a heart that pierce the soul that will cause an old man to die. God will provide himself a lamb child. Will not the judge of all the earth do his right? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Isaac shall be your heir. Offer the child up as a burnt offering on the mountain. I will show you. We shall go and worship and we shall return. Faith is to believe in things that we do not see. And the reward of this faith is to see in what we believe. Suddenly the angel of the Lord calls from heaven. The hand of Abraham is stayed by God's hand. Grace finds a way out of the dilemma. Verse 12, he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Abraham loved his son Isaac. He was the joy of his life. But he loved God more. God gave him his son as the miracle child. And Abraham, by faith, was willing to give him back to God, if that's what God wanted. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, it says in verse 13, Behold, behind him was a ram, and caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. In verse 11, the Bible says, The angel of the Lord called from heaven. In verse 13, the Bible says, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the ram. Verse 11 must meet verse 13. The Lord will provide himself a sacrifice. Abraham understands. He sees it in Mount Moriah. The Lord is the sacrifice. The Lord is the lamb. The ram was caught in a thicket. The Hebrew indicates a thorn thicket. The ram was wounded by thorns on Mount Moriah. Verse 14, so Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. I like the King James Version. It's actually closer to the Hebrew in this one instance. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh, 
as it is said to this day, in the mountain of the Lord, it shall be seen. Jesus said in John 8, 56, Abraham rejoiced that he was to see my day. He saw it and was glad. Mount Moriah is the place where Jesus died. Mount Moriah is the place where God the Father let God the Son up a mountain. And no one saw the Father weeping beside His Son as He walked to the place of crucifixion. The Father and the Son took the slow, plodding, painful path, the journey to the cross, the place where the ram was caught in the thorn thicket. And Jesus had the crown of thorns on His head. He was the ram caught in the thicket, prophetically speaking. Mount Moriah's Calvary, and Abraham understood it right. In the mountain of the Lord, God will see that it is done. It will be provided. Jesus said, Abraham saw my day, and he was glad. Thanks for tuning in today to part number 22 of the Genesis series here on Reaching Your Heart, entitled The Test. We hope that you have had the opportunity to listen to all of these messages in the Genesis series. And if not, you can always find them online at reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. You'll find them under the broadcast schedule there on the main page. If you'd like to know our phone number, let me give that to you. It's 877-788-5371, 877-788-5371. If you can help this ministry out with a financial contribution, we appreciate those so much. Help us continue to bring you these messages here on this station. The address for that is Reaching Hearts International, 15300 Spencerville Court, Suite 201, Burtonsville, Maryland, 20866. That's Reaching Hearts International, 15300 Spencerville Court, Suite 201, Burtonsville, Maryland, 20866. Now, if you're in the Washington, D.C. area, we'd love to have you by the worship service. It's held every Saturday. At 11 o'clock at Cedar Ridge Community Church, you can find driving directions online at reachingyourheart.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, we want you to know that we pray that God is reaching your